Hey folks, Preet here. Another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. A federal grand jury in New York indicted Representative George Santos on 13 counts, including wire fraud, theft of public funds, and making false statements to Congress. Meanwhile, a jury found Donald Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation in a lawsuit brought by writer E. Jean Carroll. But the jury did not find Trump liable on the most serious accusation, rape. In other news, special counsel John Durham completed his investigation into the origins of the FBI's Russia probe and released a final report. Durham criticized the FBI for launching the investigation, but he did not recommend any new charges. And a federal judge in Virginia struck down federal laws prohibiting individuals under 21 from purchasing handguns. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So, George Santos. I think we should begin with George Santos. Uh, His real name, of course, George Herbert Walker Bush Santos. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. He's the Messiah, right? I mean, that's where we are. Yeah. The first thing I will say is pretty quick indictment. He was only under investigation, really, I think, after he became a member of Congress and these stories started swirling around about his lying and the things he did with his finances, et cetera. And people are forever complaining and asking us questions about the length of time of investigations with respect to Trump and other people. And sometimes it takes years. What does it say to you that this happened in like five months? So, you know, I had a conversation about this with friend of the podcast, Barb McQuaid, and I thought she nailed it. She said, this is the difference between a U.S. attorney's office and main justice. U.S. attorneys are nimble and they're lean and they can move quickly. Main justice, it's a little bit more like steering a battleship. But all joking aside, I think what happens here is that Santos would have never been prosecuted had he not won the election. And that's one of the lovely ironies of this case. It's his success at the grift that ends up getting him prosecuted. Well, the other aspect of this is overabundance of evidence, it seems. And no kidding. demonstrable evidence. We, we can go through some of the charges. There are 13 counts in the indictment. I have a couple of favorite counts. I don't know what your favorites are, if it's appropriate to have favorite counts. <laughs> I try to not play favorites, Preed. It's sort of like having favorite kids. Well, there's, there's a scheme to take donations, representations that things were going to be donations to a political campaign to the tune of $50,000 that were converted for personal use. That's one set of allegations. There are allegations that I think are particularly serious, not insofar as they're the most serious charges in the indictment, but they relate to his service in Congress. And those are, I think, two counts relating to false disclosures with respect to his finances in Congress. And that's something that the Ethics Committee will be looking at. And will be particularly relevant, as Kevin McCarthy has said, not much, but he has said, if the Ethics Committee finds that there's been a violation of law, I think McCarthy has said he would move to expel George Santos so that those are an important set of charges. There's a money laundering charge, but my favorite charges, if I can have favorites, (laughs) are the unemployment fraud charges. So George Santos applies for unemployment in New York, gets $24,000 does not disclose that at the time he's claiming he's unemployed, he actually has a job at which he makes $120,000 a year in Florida. 
And as we were saying before we started recording, there's another delicious rich irony with respect to his unemployment fraud, right, Joyce? Absolutely. You know, you you can't make this stuff up, right? Unless you're George Santos, I guess. Santos comes back from being arraigned on the charges. And the first thing he does when he hits the halls of Congress is he votes to pass a bill called the Protecting Taxpayers and Victims of Unemployment Fraud Act. How rich. Rich indeed. So what's kind of interesting to me is when I first heard the reporting about the indictment and the counts on television news, and I heard that there were false statements made with respect to his financial disclosures within the House. I don't know why I thought this, but I assumed he was he was understating his income, consistent with some of the other counts in which he was also understating his income or not declaring his income for unemployment insurance purposes. But then you look at the indictment, and his House disclosures significantly overstated his income. He claimed that he had earned $750,000 in salary from the DeVolder organization, LLC, that he had received between a million one dollars and $5 million in dividends from that organization, that he had a savings account with deposits of between $1 million and $5 million, all of which the indictment claims is false. Why, why, would, you, why would you manufacture that when you know it's an ethics violation and a crime? You know, what this reminds me of in a weird way is the way Trump allegedly manipulated values on properties, right? Making them higher when having a higher valuation served him for stuff like getting loans, making them lower when it served interests like getting his tax burden reduced. That's the allegation. And I think that Santos is playing the same game, right? This is a way of enhancing his credibility, his status as a newly elected member of Congress or or when he's running for office. And it's a real interesting confidence game that he's using to commit fraud on the one hand by saying, for instance, that he's unemployed while flagrantly contradicting himself in these congressional filings as though he believes he is above the law and can never be caught at it. And I think it's the, that, you know, the flagrancy of the way he does this that probably motivates the U.S. Attorney's Office to go full speed ahead. Let me ask you this question. And I made this comment on Stay Tuned last week when the news was breaking. So this is a guy who lies and lies and lies and lies, has admitted to many of the lies about his background, about his name, about his mother, about his jobs, about his education, none of which are on their own criminal acts, right? They're not violations of law because you're allowed to lie to the public and Donald Trump knows this and takes advantage of this and George Santos has as well. But particular lies, like on financial disclosure forms or to the unemployment insurance officials, those constitute crimes. When he goes to court, is it your view that at least some of the other non-criminal lies will come into evidence. So, you know, it's an interesting question, and and they would have to be relevant to a specific issue here. You would have to, I, I think you can't introduce evidence of bad character to show that someone has bad character or that they acted in conformity with a, a pattern of telling lies. But in this situation, you could, for instance, 
try to offer some of this evidence, and I'm I'm thinking out loud here. I haven't thought about the basis I'd use to try to get it in. But for instance, if they show motive or opportunity or common plan or scheme, you might be able to get some of it into evidence. It's a, a very interesting question, right? What do you do with someone who is a committed con man? Well, for purposes of the question I just asked, I think we're talking about what lawyers will say the government's case in chief. You'd have to be very careful about the rules, about not introducing information or evidence that's more prejudicial than probative, as lawyers say. But should George Santos take the stand, all those lies are being cross-examined on, right? Oh, then it's open season, baby. It's tough for Santos to take the stand, and it makes it interesting because— As he left the courthouse, he talked to the press and he said, you know, the claim laid out by prosecutors is incorrect. Their information is accurate. I'll lay out my case at trial. Things weren't very clear during the pandemic. Well, it's tough for him to do that if he doesn't take the witness stand. But I don't really see how he can here. By the way, do you think that this is the final indictment? For George Santos? Yeah. Under what name? (laughs) Well, you consolidate all the different names. It just seems to me... It wouldn't be surprising if they're continuing to investigate other lines of inquiry and other false statements and other potential crimes, and they just wanted to get, you know, these 13 done as soon as possible when they had sufficient evidence to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt in court, and we may see a superseding indictment. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think that's right. It was important to get this indictment done for, among many reasons, because members of the House of Representatives are reelected on a two-year cycle. And right now is sort of the sweet spot for prosecutors to bring an indictment. But, you know, the other interesting thing here, if you're Santos, you don't have a lot of options. But one of your best options is to try to cooperate if you have information about anyone else. We have nothing specific that indicates that that process is in play here. But it could be very interesting to see what George Santos knows. Yeah, maybe he can point the finger at some people in Brazil. <laughs> right. I mean, the guy the guy has a criminal issue in Brazil. So in, in two continents, the guy's got issues. You know, and it's interesting that he resolved the issue in Brazil. He did not have to go to Brazil. He actually appeared by video, but to try to resolve at least one of those matters. So I, I would say that he's got international exposure. Now, the question that, that comes... And that we've gotten is, so what happens to George Santos? He's now been indicted on federal offenses out of the Eastern District of New York. They seem serious. They seem pretty readily provable by documents. You don't know. There's a presumption of innocence. But on the face of the indictment, it seems pretty strong. Is Kevin McCarthy supposed to do more? Are they supposed to expel him now? And as odious as the guy is, there is a presumption of innocent until proven guilty. He has been stripped already, or I guess I think he voluntarily withdrew from his committee assignments. He still gets to campaign. He still gets to vote on legislation on the floor of the House. But some people are asking for more. Do you have a thought on that? And the example I always think of is, you know, when it was a Democratic senator, Bob Menendez, who was indicted by the Justice Department, he didn't leave Congress. He didn't leave the Senate. He wasn't banished from the Senate. And ultimately, he wasn't convicted and to this day remains in the Senate. Should something more happen to George Santos? I mean, I think the Menendez example is is really instructive here. 
we do live in a country where there is a presumption of innocence, which is really important. As you say, the case against Santos is a paper case, but strange things happen at trial. And and look, this is a call for the Republican Party to make here. I mean, he is he is theirs. They own him as a creature. And it's, I think, not for nothing that Kevin McCarthy desperately needs his vote in Congress because his majority in the House is so very slim. But it's important to play the shoe on the other foot game and to think about how this would look if he was a Democrat. The Menendez example, I think, is is a stark one in many ways because there was an allegation that he was accepting gifts from people he should not have accepted gifts from that related to his work in the Senate. Here, there's the allegation that Santos lied to the House when he filed his forms. But cases in federal court happen in in short order, right? There's a speedy trial act here. There's no reason to believe that this will be a long or attenuated process. So we'll see what happens in the George Santos case and whether or not there are additional charges and what other proof there is that they will bring to bear on the case. There was, from the time that we recorded last week, just hours later, quicker, I think, than at least I expected, there was a verdict in the E. Jean Carroll case. Trump was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. There was a special finding. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.